This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Salerson. Hope this Tuesday finds you well. All is well here on the campus for the Saints and Pelicans as the Pelicans do get a win last night against the Boston Celtics at the Smoothie King Center, 106-105, to improving to, yes, 2-9 and nine on the season. But the Pelicans have won two of their last three and hopefully can carry that momentum into a quick road trip to Orlando when they take on the Orlando Magic tomorrow night. Again, 106-105, to 105, your final score. Four players in double figures for New Orleans. Anthony Davis leading the way, 25 points, 16 rebounds, 7-22 shooting. Not a, a normal AD night. He also had seven turnovers, which is a new career high. But it was the bench uh, shining for New Orleans, outscoring Boston's second unit 57-20. to 20. Langston Galloway leading the way with 21 points on 8-14 shooting. Terrence Jones also a nice night, 15 points, 10 rebounds. And Solomon Hill, 9.7 rebounds in 31 minutes. Pelicans shoot 44% from the field. Boston just 40. And um, it was a nice win. It was a, it was a scary game, I would say, as far as my heart rate because the Pelicans had a 14-point lead. And uh, that slowly slipped away in the fourth quarter. But uh, a couple of big plays by Tim Frazier. One, getting the pump bake or getting Kelly Olynyk to bite on the pump bake in order to get two free throws to put the Pel- give the Pelicans a lead. And then the big steal before that um, was big for Tim Frazier. So a nice win for the Pelicans. And now hopefully they can string together a couple wins as uh, they will probably get one of their big pieces back on Friday. That's Drew Holiday, as he's scheduled to return this weekend. Um, will not be in full go, but will probably be limited in minutes as far as getting back into game shape. But nonetheless, it'll be nice to have Drew Holiday back in the thick of things for New Orleans. And then Alvin Gentry said this morning um, at a breakfast that uh, Tyreek Evans will practice for the first time today. So that's encouraging to maybe get both of those guys back by Thanksgiving or a little after. It'll be a good thing for the Pelicans here who needs to put some wins together after that rough start. So happy times here right now, at least for today, for the Pelicans, and hopefully they'll continue that tomorrow and then into the weekend. Two home games this weekend, Friday against Portland and Saturday against the Charlotte Hornets. And speaking of Charlotte, the Saints will head to Charlotte tomorrow. We'll take on the Panthers on Thursday Night Football, a big week for the Saints. Both teams uh, coming off of tough losses, Carolina falling to the Kansas City Chiefs after leading big in that game at home. Saints, of course, I'm not even going to get into what happened there, but you all know what happened, and the Saints will look to bounce back there. As, uh, the Saints are just one loss back of the Falcons in the loss column. The Falcons are idle this week, so a chance for the Saints to hang in there, um, fighting for that division, also fighting for a wild card spot if they can get a win in Carolina today, or on Thursday, I should say. On today's show, of course, we'll talk with Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com. He'll recap last night's game and we'll also preview tomorrow's game against Orlando plus we'll talk fantasy football hope your fantasy football team did well this weekend mine pretty pretty good but don't worry Jake Seeley from rotoexperts.com will help you out need some waiver wire tips or anything else as far as how to set your lineup as we get closer and closer to the fantasy football playoffs so good show for you on this Tuesday it's nice to have a winning black and blue report on this Tuesday as the Pelicans do win last night We'll keep that momentum going. Coming up next, Jim Mikenoffer from Pelicans.com joins me, then Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com. Stay with us. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans and have an amazing game night group experience that you can customize to meet your group's needs. 
Bring your family, friends, or coworkers, and we'll bring the fun. Make lasting memories while you sit back and enjoy the excitement of watching the world's best athletes and ask how you can be a part of the action on Center Court. For more information and to book your group night, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. All right, we continue on this Tuesday, a tradition unlike any other. It's Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com joining me in studio to talk about Pelicans win. I think it's the first Tuesday during the season that we're talking about a Pelicans win, Jim, and I must say it's pretty nice. It is. We had to wait a little while. I know there was a win in Milwaukee that happened on a Thursday. But it's nice to be able to come in here only a few hours after a win and, and talk about a victory. So 106 to 105, it got. I was a little nervous in that fourth quarter. I'm sure everyone was after a 14 point lead um, went away for the Pelicans. They were able to escape by. Um, what was the biggest takeaway you noticed um, from the game? One of the things I noticed was the fact that even though they did blow a 14 point lead, they closed out a game, which is something they haven't been able to do this season so far. Sure, I think the thing that was that happened last night that had been lacking in the close games is that somebody came up with some big plays and somebody made some really smart basketball plays. Um, Tim Frazier really had two two uh, huge ones that you hope for from your veterans. I know he's not super experienced in the NBA. He's only has a couple years under his belt, but he made a, a great steal of an inbounds pass, and then he made the play where he got um, Kelly Olenek off of his feet to draw a foul in a crucial situation where the – Options were pretty limited, so I think that was one of the biggest things I took away was just that they've they've lost a bunch of close games that they could have won, and last night they were able to make the the play or two that they needed to to be able to win. And uh, the fact that your bench, um, you know, that's been a big problem for the Pelicans so far this season is bench production or just guys surrounding Anthony Davis. You did have four players in double figures, including AD, but 57 points off your bench compared to the Celtics 20. Um, that's a recipe for a winning game. Yeah, I think if you if you're looking at ways where it's possible to turn the corner and get this this thing righted, I think that was one thing that you might look at as encouraging as far as going forward. That you know that there's been games when offense has been a big problem. A lot of guys haven't shot well, but if you can find a, a group of three or four guys off the bench that can play that well, I'm, I'm sure you don't expect them to do that every single night. But if you can get a semblance of what Terrence Jones, Langston Galloway, and Solomon Hill did last night, along with a couple other guys that played well, your chances of winning go go up quite a bit. Did you see a different Solomon Hill last night? I know 
you look at the stat sheet, you go, oh, nine points and seven rebounds. But we're not going to lie. Uh, Solomon Hill has struggled through the first 11 games of the season. But I feel like you saw a different Solomon Hill last night, an energized Solomon Hill, a motivated Solomon Hill, which really was a big push off that Pelicans bench. Yeah, I think since he's been coming off the bench, which I believe the first game that he came off the bench was Milwaukee, which was a win. Um, he's been He seems like he's been more aggressive. Maybe he's been more comfortable in that role coming off the bench. Um, Elvin Gentry mentioned that he's might be able to do a few more things because um, you know they might need more scoring or they might need a little bit more of everything in that group. So it does seem like there's been a little bit of a, of a change. He didn't play well in the Lakers game, but in, in two of the other three games, he's uh, in the, or in the other two games, he's, he's played well. What about Anthony Davis? I think, you know, he was a little banged up yesterday, still a bit rattling with that back injury, but then hurt his knee as far as banging knees, a little banged up, but still 25 and 16, seven turnovers. What'd you make of AD's game? A little, a little shaky at times, but I mean, even when he's hurt 25 and 16, pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't a great game by his standards. And we were at the point where we expect so much of him that when we see him struggle to shoot or we see him um, commit that many mistakes in the form of turnovers, it's surprising, but it seemed like he was kind of, um, kind of just working his way through that game and trying to, to just get through it. I, I know a lot of people noticed that he was um, wincing a couple times and he, when he was out of the game and when he was on the sideline, he was laying down to try to stretch out his back and to not get that tightened up. So, But it seemed like he did a good job of just fighting through it, and he ended up playing 38 minutes. So it was, uh, you know, he did he did everything he could to, to help them win the game, and it, unfortunately it turned out that they that they got a one-point win. I had a caller call him last night and talk about the rotations a little bit, and I feel like it was a good observation about the Pelicans going small a lot of the times. They went small yesterday with Al Horford out. Um, really no need to go big. Oshik and Ajinsa played a combined almost 19 minutes. You have Dante Cunningham at the three, Davis at the four. He did have Oshik start at the five, but you had a lot of Terrence Jones last night at 30 minutes. Are we going to see more of a small ball team for the most part unless you play a bigger team, let's say like Orlando? And how does having Dante Cunningham and Terrence Jones give you more options as far as whether you play them at the three, the four, the five? Is, is this sort of guys that we have give – Alvin Gentry, a lot of flexibility for each game just based on matchup? I think that uh, we, we will see a lot of small lineups like we've seen. Um, last night, too, I think – let me start with um, center-wise. It seems like they've he's been using Omer and Alexi kind of situationally. And, you know, Omer's had some games where he started and hasn't played a ton of minutes. Like last night, he only played 12 minutes, but he, he's been used in specific situations. To me, though, with the game last night specifically, I think a big part of why Terrence played so much, 29 or 30 minutes, and Solomon played 32 minutes off the bench, was just simply that they were playing well. And it was one of those things where I think from night to night you might see guys earn more more uh, minutes and a bigger chance to play. If if you know, Obviously, if, if Terrence hadn't come out and played really well in the first half, I'm sure his minutes would have been fewer last night, and probably you could say the same thing for even Langston Galloway and, and Solomon Hill. So I think it's one of those situations where you have you do have flexibility, like you said, and you do have the option of being able to, to ride the guys who are playing well from on a, on a given night. Uh, so, so for some fans that kind of don't know, Jim, um, the difference is when you do play small compared to big. What do guys like Terrence Jones and Dante Cunningham guys add to a small ball lineup? Is it more offense that you're bringing to the table? and you may be lacking a little bit more defense due to your height and maybe not getting rebounds. What are the big differences of when these Pel this Pelican team goes small instead of going big? Well, I think 
with with each guy specifically, um, yeah, sometimes you do give up something on the boards, but I, I think against certain teams you're not as concerned about that as you are against others. Last night the Pelicans won rebounding forty six to forty four, so and Terrence had ten. So Terrence, besides Anthony Davis, Terrence was actually the most effective rebounder for New Orleans. For Dante, to me, Dante is a really aggressive defensive player. He can match up against a lot of guys. So um, even though sometimes you you if you have him at center, say you're smaller, I think he does have a lot of versatility and aggressiveness to be able to hold his own defensively. And also you have to account for him uh, on the perimeter because throughout his whole career he's been able to make 20-foot shots consistently. Now he's stretched it out to where he has three-point range as well. Um, Terrence is a matchup problem in terms of he he's able to handle the ball so well outside shooting isn't necessarily a huge strength for him although he can make three pointers so he just not maybe not as much as Dante but you still have to worry about him when he's spotted up outside the three point line and i feel like there's also a lot of bigs that just can't handle Terrence's um skill set in terms of he can like last night he was running the break and dishing to guys he was he was leading the break and he can finish himself so he seems to be a really good passer in transition, probably better than he is in half-court situations. So um, both of those guys, even though, like you, you, like you, you always have to be concerned if you're at what you're giving away when you put small lineups on the court. But I think that those guys both work well because they 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 can make up for some of I don't want to say weaknesses, but things that aren't their the best aspects of their game with being able to do so many other different things. All right, so let's move on now. The Pelicans will take on the Orlando Magic tomorrow night at the Amway Center. A quick one-game trip uh, to Florida, then back for two games at home. You're facing a struggling Magic team, 4-7. and seven. They score a NBA season-low 69 points last night in a loss to Indiana. But, Jim, the Pelicans have struggled on the road. Not going to be an easy task. And you're also playing, as we mentioned, small lineups. We're playing a very big team when you have Vucevic, Serge Ibaka, Bismack Biombo, Aaron Gordon, a much bigger team down low than the Pelicans have seen so far this season. Yeah, Orlando has been a really interesting team in that I feel like from game to game you have no idea what they're going to do. And I think that's one thing that is going to be going to be interesting about playing them tomorrow. It seems like um, the Pelicans have struggled there the last few years, had some really poor performances on the, in that arena for some reason. But... um. Orlando's the kind of team that they just won in Oklahoma City a couple days ago in a really good win. And then, like you said, they come back and they scored less than 70 points in their last game. So I'm having a hard time figuring them out. I remember they lost in their their opener of the season to Miami, which is a team that's not – I I couldn't believe there was people that actually thought Miami was going to be good this year because I was not expecting that at all. So they've, they've just had a lot of confusing results, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of rhyme or reason to – what they do on a nightly basis. So I guess the Pelicans will hope that they get the, the bad version of the Orlando Magic, not the one that, that is capable of beating really good teams. And I'm sure the Magic are looking at this as maybe it's a chance for them to get back on track against a team that maybe they they I think they're looking at the same way as the Pelicans saying, we don't know how to figure out the Pelicans as well. They show signs of, you know, they've won two of three, but they also started out 0-8. So sure. should be an interesting game there. And then the news that Alvin Gentry talked about last night, uh, Drew Holiday most likely coming back this weekend. You know, if you get a, a win, Jim, in Orlando tomorrow, and then you have a home back-to-back, this is a chance with Drew coming back, not saying that he's going to play a ton of minutes, they're going to ease him back in. This is a chance, though, for the Pelicans to sort of get back on track here this week. It definitely is. I mean, you know, when you get off to an 0-8 start and then you're 1-9, and it's easy to, to get 
to get really down and depressed and feel like, you know, it's, it's a, a lost cause or whatever, but, um, it's amazing what one win can do in terms of people's, um, perspective and their optimism and stuff like that. But, but, um, they're just like the, the game against Milwaukee, the good feelings of that went away because of what happened in the Lakers game. The same thing can happen if you play poorly or get beaten soundly by Orlando. So I think it is a good, it's a, it's a big game from the standpoint of you want to keep building and moving forward. And like you said, if you can get a two game winning streak is, is, as minimal as that sounds, but in the course of in the scope of the season, that would be nice to uh, be able to go into a really rare home home back to back on Friday and Saturday. All right, that's Jim Mike and offer from Pelicans.com. Make sure to read all his work on Pelicans.com and the mobile app. And Jim, uh, bring back a win tomorrow night from Orlando, please. Sounds sounds good. I'll do the best I can. All right, time to talk some fantasy football. We'll do so with Jake Seeley next on the Black and Blue Report. Win the night for the entire family with a Pierre's Party Pack. Ticket packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include three or more tickets, combo meals, and an encore free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $48. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is Saturday, November 19th against the Charlotte Hornets. For more information and to plan your next winning night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. Hi, Vincent Palumbo here. Terminex is the home of the $650 lifetime termite repair guarantee. Terminex provides termite protection and pest control. Call Terminex for all your pest problems. 834-7330. She captured the hearts of generations. Now, Dolly Parton gives you pure and simple. A sensational night live with all of her greatest hits. November 30th, Smoothie King Center. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com or call 800-745-3000. Don't miss your chance to see the iconic Dolly Parton. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes cancer patients come who were told they were out of options, but Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Optioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-Optioner or visit optioner.org. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Well, my fantasy teams are on a roll right now, and that's probably due in large part to Jake Seeley joining me every Tuesday. He joins me again from RotoExperts.com, part of my fantasy focus presented by Campbell Soup. Jake, hope this Tuesday finds you well, and uh, hope your fantasy teams are doing all right, my friend. Mostly all right. I, I had the bitter defeat of, I saw a lot of people tweet me after I mentioned it last night, because nobody cares about your teams, but when I said, you know what, I'm going to vent anyway, mm-hmm. because one, cat, one more catch from Odell Beckham for six yards 
and I would have had the win. That's how close I lost last night. And then I got everybody tweeting saying, oh, I lost by point three, or, you know, the Giovanni Bernard last carry for a negative yard has lost me the game. So we suffered every single week. It's the misery loves company. Yep, I've had a championship being decided by someone taking a knee um, because our oh. yardage was based on, you know, Point one was a yard, so someone lost a championship based on that. I've won a championship by point two, so yeah, the the points do matter there in some of these leagues. So I get it. Yeah, it's a rough one. I had, last week I had a buddy who went to sleep and woke up after that last sack on Tyrod Taylor. So it can change. Don't go to bed until it's over, and then even after that, you never know. Yep, lesson learned. Lesson learned. All right, let's uh, talk about the big story from yesterday was Alshon Jeffrey with the Bears being suspended for four games. So what does this mean for Bears wide receivers? Whether you have um, a couple other guys or you need to pick up someone, what does this mean for the other wide receivers as far as fantasy usage? Yeah, you have to look at Cameron Meredith first, obviously, after what he did earlier this season with the two games where he had uh, weeks five to six, everybody probably remembers, 27 targets, 20 receptions, 243 yards, and a touchdown. This is the upside he has. No, I don't think he's all of a sudden going to be Julio Jones and Antonio Brown, or but whatever the fact may be, he's going to be the number one option, seeing the most targets for this team, as long as he can get back to that somewhat. He's going to be somebody that's probably in a lot of lineups. I told somebody on uh, Twitter today, you're talking about Twitter people, questions, questions asking me, is the fact that he said, I have the number one waiver priority. Should I spend on a Cameron Meredith? I could I kind of use wide receiver help. And I said, at this point, you kind of almost have to. You're really looking for that season changer, and it's hard to keep waiting and waiting and waiting and then never find it. But Cameron Meredith could be somebody that could end up being a starter, not necessarily a game changer where he broke out like Doug Baldwin looks like he's about to do for the second half of the second year in a row. But he's somebody that could be in your lineup every single week. And I think also people are going to be overlooking Eddie Royal, who has been inconsistent throughout his career. But if he's on the field as the number two option every single week and has a rapport with Jay Cutler in a PPR league especially, he's going to have some value. And if you're in a super deep league, you can take a flyer on Marquise Wilson. He looks like he might be back in about one or two more weeks and there's some upside there for the big playability, but the real beneficiaries here are Meredith and Eddie Royal, and obviously Zach Miller gets a little bit of an uptick. Absolutely. Let's talk about these Eagles running backs, and uh, if you talked to me last week, I would have thought, okay, Darren Sproles all the way, probably getting more of the usage, but then Ryan Matthews goes off for two touchdowns, scoring a lot of points if you had him. So what do you make of uh, this Ryan Matthews-Darren Sproles situation? How do you approach that moving forward? Yeah, unfortunately, there's people out there who probably didn't get the benefit of having Ryan Matthews in their lineup and watching that after the two games in a row of only getting five carries and a couple yards here and 10 yards and 15. The, he's very touchdown dependent, Ryan Matthews. And that's why if I can sell high right now, if your trade deadline hasn't passed, I absolutely would. And I don't mean sell highs and you need to get RB1 value because nobody's going to make that mistake. When I, when I say sell high, it's basically higher than the value's been and you're getting rid of all the risks. So if you can trade Ryan Matthews, let's say you need wide receiver help, I threw this out there. So if you can go get Kenneth Dixon, who has a ton of upside, that maybe he can take over that job in Baltimore, and a Kenny Britt, who people still don't want to give him the respect for what he's doing because people associate too much with names and performance and are very slow to react sometimes when you have a history of years of being up and down or disappointing. Like Kenny Britt, Eric Ebron's a good one at tight end, too. Is people still are like, oh, should I pick up Ebron? Yes, he's a top five, seven tight end as long as he's on the field. So. Kenny Britt, Kenneth Dixon, like those are two pieces that can help you, and then you don't have that frustration anymore going forward of whether or not Ryan Matthews is going to get 15 carries or five. 
So that's what I'm doing. If you have him, I would put him in your lineup if you can't trade, if your deadline's passed or nobody wants to bite. He has to stay in your lineup for this. You can only hope maybe going forward they're turning to him more because he has a great performance when he is on the field of most years, and it's always been a health issue with him. So he has to be out there. Darren Sproles, though, was never supremely valuable in standard leagues. I think in PPR he still has flex appeal. You can keep him out there because even if you saw in that game, as good as Ryan Matthews was, Darren Sproles still had a very solid game for PPR purposes as well. Uh, for someone who did listen to you, I did pick up Kenny Britt, and I did put him in my lineup, and he did very well for me last week. So there you go. <laughs> Congratulations. That's why you should listen to Jake Seeley. Jake, let's uh, move on to Marcus Mariota. Um, is he becoming a top 10 fantasy quarterback? He's been playing well re- recently. He is. I just, I'm not positive to say that he will be the rest of the way, only because of the schedule. And there's a two parts to it. It's not only the schedule gets very difficult for the playoffs, for fantasy playoff purposes, but he also, don't forget, has that bye in week 13. So a lot of people are trying to get into the playoffs. You just lost the quarterback. On performance alone of what he's been doing so far to this point, and the fact he has the Colts and the Bears the next two weeks before he hits the bye, yeah, he's a top ten. Heck, he's knocking on the top five door just on his performance alone. I'd still, if we started listing out quarterbacks, he would not be in the top five for me. But in the top ten for sure, and against the Bears and the Colts, I think he's going to stay there. The only problem, as I said, is you hit that bye, and then he gets the Broncos in the first round of playoffs if you play the three weeks at the Chiefs, which is a tough place to play, and at Jaguars, who that could be middle of the road. The Jaguars have been playing better defense than people realize. So I'd say he is in that conversation. I just wouldn't want him for my playoff stretch to trust him every single week. And somebody that I keep telling people to go after because he's on a bye this week, and a lot of times when people have players that are on a bye, they forget about him or they don't treat him with the value they should. I'm good at Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers has the best playoff schedule of any quarterback. So if you can flip Mariota, for Philip Rivers, it doesn't even have to be for a piece back. Just straight up, I would take Philip Rivers the rest of the way. All right. Uh, how about some waiver wires? This is a crucial time for waiver wire pickups. Give me two or three worth picking up this week. Yeah, it's a little bit better than it was last week, or at least the last two weeks, so that's the good news. Uh, real quick off the top of Sammy Watkins is sitting out there. Could return to practice. Maybe not till next week, but he could be coming back soon. So make sure you go stash him because people are going to start thinking about it. But as for the help that you could get right now, uh, we talked about Cameron Meredith, but at running back, Robert Kelly, if you haven't picked him up at this point, I know we already talked about him, but just as a reminder, you saw what he did last week. Two of his 60 runs have been for negative yards, just two of them. This guy is great for yards after contact. I think that his job is fully his now for the Redskins. You have to like what he's doing. He could be an RB2 the rest of the way. Uh, My guy C.J. Procise is really starting to take over in Seattle, and I know people are going to talk about Thomas Rawls coming back, which you can pick him up too. But the good news is that whether it's Michael or Rawls being the lead running back, C.J. Procise's role is going to remain the same as that pass-catching change of pace guy in a mold of David Johnson. So he always has the upside to become an RB1 if Thomas Rawls comes back and falters and Chris and Michael continues to decline as the season goes on. But at worst, he's going to have flex RB2 value for you. And then at receiver – Eli Rogers is back in the mix. We were all excited after week one, got quiet, he had an injury. Uh, Sammy Coates only had two snaps last week, but it looks like Eli Rogers is clearly the number two behind Antonio Brown. And uh, you look at it, 15 targets, 10 receptions, 145 yards and a touchdown in the last two games. He has to be on rosters at this point. All right, uh, short week for the Saints as they take on the Carolina Panthers on Thursday. As much as you know, we did talk about Michael Thomas, he did have sort of a rough game against the Denver Broncos. Just one, it's okay, but... Who is to go to Saints wide receiver right now? We saw Willie Sneed with a couple touchdowns. You saw Brandon Cooks with one. Um, then you have Michael Thomas that gets a lot of usage. Uh, how would you go about ranking the Saints wide receiver depth chart as far as fantasy usage is concerned? 
fantasy, I'm still going to lean towards Michael Thomas. Like you said, it is just one. If you look at it for the entire season, you know, before this, he had at least 50-plus yards in every single game, and the first two games were his, tw- his quietest up until that point. And it's what I continue to say about it. The reason I still will lean him is because he is Marcus Colson for this team, and he's a little bit better version of Marcus Colson to this point of his career already. And the fact that he's the touchdown option over the middle of the field is part of the reason that Kobe Fleener's been struggling to make some noise with the Saints because Michael Thomas is absorbing all those targets, all those opportunities. Brandon Cooks is a terrific big play, big play player. Uh, and I will say they're kind of neck and neck. My only concern is, as we've seen, is Brandon Cooks on the road seems to be affected a little bit similarly to Drew Brees on the road. I don't know why. I don't know if that's the exact comparison of Drew Brees. Just is it quite as good? He's still great on the road. He's just you know a fantasy god at home. I don't know why the two coincide, and maybe it's something we can look deeper into. But Michael Thomas is more consistent. If you look at it, he doesn't have the home road split similar to Cooks and Drew Brees, and that's why I'm still going to lead towards him. And Willie Sneed hadn't found the end zone in quite a while until those two touchdowns last week. I think he's the third option. I don't have a problem if you like Cooks, but I think that I trust most Michael Thomas. All right, good stuff there from Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com, part of our Fantasy Focus presented by Campbell Soup. Jake, always a pleasure, and I'll talk to you next week, my friend. I appreciate it. Good luck to you. I appreciate it. All right, when we come back, I'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Hi, Vincent Palumbo here. Terminex is the home of the $650 lifetime termite repair guarantee. Terminex provides termite protection and pest control. Call Terminex for all your pest problems. 834-7330. Don't miss any of the New Orleans Pelicans action this season. Pick the four games that are right for you. The Pelicans Pick 4 plan presented by Domino's guarantees seats to see Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans take on the biggest names in the NBA, including matchups against Golden State and Cleveland. Packages start as low as $40 and come with a free medium one-topping pizza from Domino's. To pick your four games, visit pelicans.com today. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. All right, time to wrap things up from Studio B. Big thanks to Jim Mike Knopper and Jake Seeley for coming on today's show. On tomorrow's show, David Wesley from uh, Fox Sports New Orleans, television analyst for the Pelicans. We'll, of course, talk to Sean in the uh, traditional hotel lobby in Orlando, as they always do on a road game on a Wednesday. David Wesley will preview Pelicans and Magic and also probably recap yesterday's win against the Celtics. And then we'll we'll continue to preview Panthers and Saints as we are lining up some good guests for you leading up to that game on Thursday. And as we continue to get rolling here, um, this week as uh, it's a big week busy week so Saints and Panthers on Thursday and then two Pelicans games Friday and Saturday and then you can catch your breath and enjoy the weekend on Sunday hopefully we'll have some wins a win against Orlando on tomorrow Saints win on Thursday Pelicans win on Friday and Saturday that'll make for a nice Sunday here in the Big Easy so hope you all have a great rest of your Tuesday until tomorrow I'm Daniel Salerson thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans the Black and Blue Report
Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.